Okay, good evening and welcome everyone to episode two of this Facebook Live series where Dr. Janae Steele and Dr. Sharmika Newton will be discussing the topic of loving your Blackness, which is so in time with Black History Month. So I'll get us started by introducing myself. So my name is Tatiana Smith. I am a fourth year doc student in the Calvin Side program here at Western, and I'm going to be the moderator for our conversation this evening. I'm also... I'm also a student intern at Kalamazoo College's Counseling Center, where I primarily work with college students of color. So next, I'm going to introduce our speakers for the evening by sharing their bios. So Dr. Sharmika Newton is a fully licensed psychologist and owner of Legacy Mental Health Services, PLLC. She has over 10 years of experience in clinical, academic, and community settings, including teaching experience at both undergraduate and graduate levels of higher education. Her areas of expertise include multicultural counseling, research methods, test and measurement, career counseling, and clinical supervision of master's level counseling practitioners and students. In addition to her clinical and teaching experience, Dr. Newton is also a member of the Michigan Board of Psychology, appointed by Governor Gretchen Whitmer. She's a sought-after psychology expert featured in prominent magazines and newscasts, recently featured on the June 2020 broadcast of West Michigan Women, where she discussed how to have difficult difficult conversations with your family about race. She is also co-author of the soon-to-be-released book, Black Lives Are Beautiful, 50 Tools to Heal from Trauma and Promote Positive Racial Identity, published from Rootledge, an imprint of Taylor and Francis Group, LLC, as well as co-author of the peer-reviewed article, Culture Adapted Cognitive Behavioral Therapy as a Model to Address Internalized Racism Among African-American Clients. And that was published in the April 22 issue of the Journal of Mental Health Counseling. Next, we have Dr. Janae Steele. She is a licensed professional counselor, counselor educator, and diplomat of the Academy of Cognitive and Behavioral Therapies. Dr. Steele is also the owner and clinical director of Kalamazoo Cognitive and Behavioral Therapy, PLLC, where she provides therapy, supervision, and training in CBT. She is an associate editor of the Journal of Multicultural Counseling and Development, the author of the upcoming book, Racism in African-American Mental Health, Using Cognitive Behavioral Therapy to Empower Healing, and the co-author of the book, Black Lives Are Beautiful, 50 Tools to Heal from Trauma and Promote Positive Racial Identity, both published through Rootledge, an imprint of Taylor and Francis Group, LLC. Her other scholarly activity includes peer-reviewed articles, focused in the areas of CBT, social justice advocacy, and counselor training. Her favorite article, published in the May 2020 issue of the International Journal for the Advancement of Counseling and Development, describes cognitive conceptualization conceptualization and treatment planning using CBT and a proposed cognitive model of internalized racism. So this evening we'll be discussing positive black racial identity development and ways African Americans can celebrate and affirm their blackness. And accordingly, we'll be talking about ideas such as self-love and black joy. However, we do recognize that some parts of this conversation may include discussion on things that limit love and joy in the lives of African Americans. With that in mind, we always like to begin with a reminder about the importance of self-care and mindfulness during our time together. So if you are a target of oppression, be aware of anything that might be overwhelming, use mindfulness and breathing skills when you need to, and take a break if necessary. If you are an ally or a learner, work toward maintaining a non-judgmental stance, recognize any defensiveness you may be experiencing, and listen with the intention of understanding and learning. And with that said, we will get started. So the first question that I have for you all this evening is what is positive black racial identity? Like if somebody asked you to define that, what would you say? I'll let you go first, Dr. Newton. 
Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and hop in. Uh, when I think of positive HID development, I really think of it as like a liberation where the individual becomes liberated and is able to really to really love oneself, to celebrate everything, whether it's the curl pattern in your hair or the curvature of your body or your skin complexion or just the nuances of Black culture. And so for me, it's really a process and that allows the individual to celebrate and appreciate their heritage. And it can look different over time. And so I was thinking about myself as, as I was um, preparing for this question and that I grew up in Oak Park, Michigan. So Oak Park is um, predominantly African-American community and it's right outside the city of Detroit. So growing up, like I was surrounded by black people, like it was, you know, black Mecca, right? Detroit's um, predominantly black area. But then when I went away to college, my young adulthood years, I went to predominantly white um, institutions. And so I became very salient. Sometimes I would be the only African-American um, setting in a classroom. And so like my love for myself during that young adult period was kind of, I was knocked off base a little bit, if you would say, a little shifted and that it was harder for me to really celebrate me because there wasn't, my voice wasn't in the classroom. My voice wasn't heard as much, even with the things I was reading and professors. Like I had one black um, African-American professor the whole four years of undergrad. And so it shifted for me when I entered into young adulthood. And it wasn't actually until I got to um, Western Michigan University and was under the training of Dr. the late Dr. Lonnie Duncan and Dr. Joseph Morris that I really began to reappreciate myself because as um, Black faculty, they encouraged me to read things such as like W.E.B. Du Bois and The Soul of Black Folks and Carter G. Woodson. And so I was like, being Black is cool. Like being Black is what's up when I got to my like mid 20 years, because that's what was being pushed and emphasized. And so when I think about positive racial identity development and, and loving our Blackness, it really is a liberation of the individual from, you know, maybe self-hatred or not liking or not even thinking about Blackness to really being able to see the value and worth in who you are as an individual. So, and it can change, like you can see with my story, it can change over time and also over contexts. So um, that's what I was thinking about when I think about Black, Black racial identity, a positive racial identity development. Mm -hmm. A lot of um, what you said, Dr. Newton, really resonates for me. And I think, you know, just for my personal personality style, I always like to start out with definitions, right? So we can all make sure we're talking about the same thing. And so if we're thinking about how racial identity is defined, that refers to an individual's sense of belonging to a particular racial group. And so then, as you just talked about, like the extent to which we feel we belong or even want to belong to our racial group depends on our environmental experiences, how we were raised, the schools that we go to, and the messages um, that we receive throughout life. And so for African-Americans, um, because of the history, the legacy of slavery, many of those messages tend to be negative, right? Reflecting the negative um, racist and white supremacist um, ideology that our society is built upon. And so when I'm thinking about racial identity and positive racial identity, I'm thinking about like how much work has been done in an individual's life to counteract those messages because they're everywhere, right? They're like 
in what we see and what we don't see and what we hear and what we don't hear. So like when we're kids and we're growing up, um, you know, if like you describe Char, if you grow up in a community that is predominantly African-American, you have like diverse individuals in your group, you have a diversity of experiences, you're able to see like black people being treated well and respected and hold positions of leadership, it's much more likely that you're going to develop a positive racial identity. Um, conversely, if you grow up in um, more racially mixed settings, or even if you grow up in predominantly white settings, it can be more difficult to get those experiences that will facilitate that positive racial identity. Um, so like for myself, I grew up in a more racially diverse environment. Um, in my school, there were plenty of kids of all racial backgrounds, but we were all kind of like second-class citizens in our schools, right? Like there were, I had one African-American teacher the entirety of grade school. I can't remember high school, all of the teachers I had, but I know for sure elementary, middle school, I had one African-American teacher. I can't recall an African-American teacher in high school. Um, right. So that sends a message when there aren't people who look like you that are in leadership, that are teaching you, that are guiding you, that are structuring who you're going to be as an adult. And then on top of that, like none of the African-American kids in my school were in um, gifted programs or were able to participate in extracurricular activities because those things required money and transportation and things that people in my segregated community didn't have access to as it related to getting to our school, which was across town. Um, and so all of those types of things have an impact on an individual's racial identity. And because of that, for most African-Americans, like developing a positive racial identity is actually a process. Like um, you talked about Dr. Newton. And for many of us, it starts off with negative or anti-Black views mm -hmm. or maybe neutral where you don't even think about it at all. But eventually, because the way race works in our society, most of us are going to encounter something at some point in our lives to wake us up to um, the role that race has in our lives and how we see ourselves. And when that encounter happens and we go through another process where we have to deal with things like anger um, and even guilt over the way that we've viewed ourselves and others within a racialized society. Um, but along with that, there comes like a love for being black and an enthusiasm about black history and culture and learning about yourself. And so for me, that's kind of actually like my favorite place of racial identity development because it's where you really get to grow and develop the kind of self-love that we're talking about tonight. Yeah, I, I agree totally. And I think it is, it's those experiences that causes like that awakening with us where we have to kind of evaluate our racial identity because of how we may be treated by white Americans or by white culture. Um, and as I was thinking about it, for me, one of the selling events, even though, like I said, I grew up in like around, um, you know, Black communities, for me, one of the events that kind of caused that um, awakening within myself that Mm, something may not be right here was um, Rodney King. And I thought about this mm -hmm. earlier today 
um, like seeing that video and that image said, wait a minute, why are Black people being treated like this? And I think it's those experiences that really can impact how we view ourselves um, and can shake that um, positive identity that when we're treated like less than human um, in that example. Um, and that was something that I think I was probably about 10 or 11 years old when that happened. Um, but it's those things that cause us to have our you know, racial identity kind of questioned or shaken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, that's a good point because another part of racial identity development is recognizing that you have a shared fate with the other members of your racial group. And I too recall Rodney King and thinking like, man, we gotta stick together because they out here beating people and with impunity, right? Like with no punishment. And so that, I forgot about that, but you're right. I think in terms of if you're an 80s baby growing up, that probably was a really significant experience that helped to shape racial identity for African-Americans at that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think just to summarize some of what you both have shared for our viewers, like seeing that positive Black racial identity development as a process of liberation. And it's really like a lifespan process because we're always developing in our racial, develop, racial identity development as we have these different experiences. I think about it for myself, you know, it really does start when we are young with those ethnic racial socialization practices that our parents use. I know for myself, my mom was somebody that was always big on um, reading the importance of knowing about my history, my culture, my land, my people. She thought it was very important that in, in order to understand what I'm working toward and where I'm trying to go, I have to have an understanding of the past so that I don't forget. And racial identity development is then that continued work of getting to this space of where you have the sense of belonging. You know, you are able to be in a space where you can actually and confidently hold your Blackness and your community in the highest regard, both publicly and privately. When no one else is around and you are looking in the mirror, um, you still feel that sense of, of joy and pride. And I think, um, you know, as academics, if I think about like how it break down positive Black racial identity to college students that I work with that may not have this language or um, my family members, just recognizing that as a black racial being, you know, you are inherently valuable, you are worthy, you are deserving of good things. Um, I think for maybe the lay person, it's like one of the hallmark experiences of having that positive um, black racial identity development. But some of what you all were talking about kind of leads us to our next question of why is positive racial, positive black racial identity development so important? Mm -hmm. You go, I can go. Um, so I, I think about this concept. Um, I have this notion of trying to empower people to live in abundant lives, right? So as long as we are bound by self-hatred, dislike, um, and we're kind of in a point where we can't live that abundant life, right? Because if I don't like myself, I'm not going to fulfill my greatest potential. So positive racial identity development is important because it's the expression of your full human potential. And it's like what I like to call it unbounding, where you're able to unbound yourself from things like imposter syndrome, internalized racism, negative messages that you're given. 
but it's not until we really began to be able to speak life. And I think you were hitting on this, um, Tatiana, until we realize who we are and like where we're going, that we're able to really walk out and live that free, abundant life. Um, and also, I would say it's important because it's a strategy by which we resist or interrupt the flow of racism, right? So if I realize that I am valuable, like you were saying, I have significance, I have worth and potential. So if I'm realizing that, then that's not that's going to help me to leave a legacy for my kids and my kids' kids. Like if that looks like me opening up a black business, right? So me opening up a black business, I got to be able to believe in myself to have that entrepreneur spirit. But if I'm held back by that thought of I'm not good enough or I'm not, I don't cut it or I'm not smart enough, those messages sometimes that um, white supremacy tries to give black folks, as long as I keep holding on to that, I'm never going to reach the magnitude of my potential and I'm never going to really honor my the power that's within me. And so I think that's one of the reasons. So for me, it comes back to abundant life, like so that we're not living lives that are sheltered or um, less than what we're called called to be. So I think that's why this this idea of black race identity is so important for um for us as, as Black Americans. Mm -hmm. And I think I would add to that that um, a positive racial identity is a protective factor. Right, like it protects us against internalized racism and it protects us from mental health challenges like depression and even from things like alcohol um, and drug abuse. And so a positive racial identity is valuable in that sense is that it, it gives us like a sense of worth and value so that um, the challenges that we encounter directly due to racism or vicariously, or um, you know, even the messages that we're receiving unconsciously, it helps us to be able to refute and challenge those things so that they don't in turn have an effect on how we see ourselves, which then affects our behaviors, which ultimately affects our quality of life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the piece that I'm picking up on is, you know, positive Black racial identity is very important because honestly, it's integral to our survival as Black folks. Mm -hmm. And I think to what Dr. Newton was getting to, us being able to move from a space of survival to we are thriving and living those abundant lives. And it's particularly important, you know, living in a white supremacist and racist society. And to the piece that you were talking about, Dr. Newton, of believing in ourselves and not internalizing those negative racial stereotypes we hear about ourselves. I think about that in terms of how we compare ourselves to white Americans, but also how we compare ourselves within our group, because that competitive piece is something from white culture that you always have to feel like you have to measure up. And so that can keep us from pursuing our goals and um, just experience a lot of being discouraged and disheartened from pursuing our passions and our dreams. And so having that positive black racial identity is important because it protects us from those daily assaults that we deal with on our black racial identity. It also helps to create like that sense of interconnectedness and community because we are bonded like along those racial lines. We have that shared history and heritage, but I'm somebody also too that um, I feel like I have a revolutionary spirit and that not only does it allow me to disrupt that flow of white supremacy and racism, but having black joy is how I honor my ancestors. They fought and marched and died and continuously fought and fought and fought so that I could sit here in this moment with the privilege of knowing that, you know, my black is powerful, my black is beautiful. 
Um, and so I, not only would I would not centering my black joy be disservice to myself, but also the work of those that came before me and all the community efforts that are taking place today. I feel like I'm in church. I'm all the same man, Tatiana, like there's it's so much greater than us, right? It's the legacy that's going to be left. And then it's also honoring those people who died for us to be in positions that we're in now, like, sorry, I just had a church moment, sorry. Black church. <laughs> mm-hmm. sorry. We don't honor Black History Month. All yeah. this, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, I think, Tatiana, what stood out for me and what you were saying is that a positive racial identity gives us freedom, right? Like, it mm-hmm. gives us freedom from the psychic weight of white supremacy, but it also gives us freedom to just move and to be, mm-hmm. right? Like, when we're not so concerned about meeting a certain um, metric or standard for hair, or when we're not so concerned about the color of our skin that we won't go outside in the sun, or when mm-hmm. we're not so concerned about producing black babies that we're free to love who we wanna love. Like these things give us freedom and they allow us a sense of liberation and they allow us to experience our full and our total and our complete humanity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in the spirit of that, I mean, all of us on this webinar are mental health professionals. And so that kind of, that psychic weight of internalized racism um, and navigating, you know, this process of having a positive Black racial identity, I think is a good segue into the next question of, in terms of you all's clinical experience, what have you noticed happens with, with clients in the community when self-love and that positive racial identity is missing? Mm-hmm. I think for me, the biggest thing that I've noticed in my work with clients is just that it limits an individual's ability to cope um, because it influences how they see themselves. So at a more surface level, it influences just literally how they experience themselves, how they experience how they look, how they sound, how they talk, how they act right? And can you imagine what it's like to be a person that questions the worth and the value of everything about you that is um, emotionally exhausting? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when we're also confronted with real life experiences of racism, it makes it doubly difficult to cope because sometimes when our racial identity isn't as developed, it also means that we have a limited understanding of the way that racism operates. So sometimes we're living in a system of racism and we don't realize it, we're attributing it to our own inadequacies, right? Like we're interpreting these experiences to mean that I am a failure, that I'm not good enough because this system tells me that I can get anything I want by my merit, right? Like if I work hard enough, if I pull myself by my own up by my own bootstraps, then I can have what I want, right? Like we have this belief in a just world that everybody gets what they deserve. But really that's not quite how it works. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but without like that um, education, um, critical consciousness piece that comes with a more developed racial identity, we miss that. And then that leads to negative beliefs about ourselves, which again, like limits um, the way that we move in the world and, and limits our ability to achieve our goals. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you say that, I think about like what the boys talks about when he talks about double consciousness. It's like we're always mm-hmm. having to navigate the white terrain, right? And part of that navigation is we lose a part of who we are. Like if it's feeling like I can't wear my hair straight because they may judge me or um, I can't, you know, talk a certain way because that might get judged. And so it's like, we're constantly having to wear this mask in various, whether that be school or work or we're in our community, wherever we're at, we're always having to, to wear this mask and we're never able to really be fully authentically ourselves. And so in clinical settings, a lot of times I'll see clients come in and they're like dealing with things like anxiety where, you know, it's like they can't freely be themselves and that creates distress within um, within themselves. And so I see it as manifest itself as anxiety. I also see it sometimes even depression within individuals because they, they played the rules of the game and because of white supremacy, white, um, white racism, they haven't been able to move up or matriculate through um, through um, the various domains or spheres of their lives. And so it leads them to feel like this, like hopelessness, helplessness, like no matter how hard I try, I never reach, you know, the goal if that's promotion, working up corporate America. And so I see it manifest itself sometimes as learned helplessness to or hopelessness um, within the individual, which to me is saddening, right? Mm-hmm. And I was also thinking about something you said earlier, um, Tatiana, just about intra-group racial dynamics. And we, you know, talk a lot about white supremacy with the implication that um, a lot of the struggles that we have with race are due to interactions with members of the dominant racial group. But sometimes like those same worldviews and ideologies influence the way that we see each other and the way that we treat each other too. And so um, that's also like another level or dynamic that I think about when it when I think about how um, uh, underdeveloped racial identity influences an individual. Mm-hmm. And I think I see particularly more and more um, the consequences of not having a positive Black racial identity in the form of that internalized racism, that internalized anti-Blackness with Black students in particular, um, because, you know, the internship site that I'm working at right now is a small white liberal arts college. And so those students each day are constantly dealing with various forms of assault on their Black racial identity. And so when I thought about this question, what I've seen in my clinical experience is that my Black clients will act often in ways that are self-defeating and self-sabotaging um, and not taking care of themselves and prioritizing their mental wellness and well-being. And so I've seen this look like poor mental health outcomes, like the depression, the anxiety, the race-based trauma and stressors, um, and that going untreated because we're telling ourselves, like, no, no, I'm fine. Like, oh, I'm just tired, but, you know, overlooking and minimizing what we're experiencing but also the self-hatred that Dr. Newton was talking about earlier and how that can then lead to a breakdown of our interpersonal relationships because that doesn't allow us to show up as our best selves um, in that system and then using substances to self-medicate. And I also see it as um, I've seen with my clients that they will feel disconnected from themselves like as a racial being and disconnected from their culture And in the mental health space, I think that that is so unfortunate because you feel that level of disconnect and you can't tap into and then access those Afrocentric 
healing practices um, that are, you know, indigenous to, you know, some of our cultures and our ethnic groups. Um, so it's definitely concerning when those two ingredients are not present for Black folks, especially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in line with that, then as mental health professionals, um, and even just Black women in the community, what are some strategies or tips that you would encourage Black folks to use to celebrate their Blackness? I'd say for me this year, I am all about Black joy. Um, so, you know, it's like so much, especially like over the last couple of years when we've had so much like social unrest and police violence and brutality, like so much of how we talk about the Black experience is related to racial trauma. That becomes exhausting. So I, I am really encouraging myself and I'll encourage other people really to just focus on um, ways that you can experience joy in your life. And I really like this idea of Black joy as a form of resistance. If we think mm -hmm. about um, oppression being meant to limit an individual's happiness. When we are able to experience joy anyhow, we're um, resisting that oppression. And uh, again, for me, that has been by focusing on self-care, uh, doing things that make me feel good, um, things that I enjoy, uh, things that allow me to appreciate myself, my body, the aspects of my um, Black racial identity, Black culture, those are the things that I've been focusing on. So it can be, you know, like individual things, but it can also be things like being intentional about um, learning more about my relatives, my ancestors, leaders in my community, um, and being inspired by their stories, or it could be simple things like taking a walk. And it can also be giving yourself permission to enjoy things that society says really isn't for Black people. So I, I think, you know, that is something talking more about that internalized racism piece that's been a struggle in our community as well. So it's really just I think celebrating Blackness, practicing self-love can really just be about allowing yourself to experience joy and happiness and pleasure. And for me, I'll, I'll kind of share a case. Um, we have some parents out there as well as I'll share for older adults because um, just because I work across the lifespan. So with children, I like to emphasize if you have children, or you have significant, you know, um, black kids in your life. I like to emphasize reading. So, and I think we talked about this at the very beginning. I'm going to share this book with you all. It's called Hey You, um, and it's a black book. And the little boy, the pictures on it are beautiful, right? And so, one of the things I do with my son is we go to Barnes and Noble, and even when it's not Black History, Barnes and Noble is pretty good about having a black section. So, um, a black authors, a black books. So reading to your child, he's only one years old, right? But we still read to him. And the words that we read to him are speaking life, speaking empowerment into him. And so for older kids, you can, you know, have them read the book to you and speak life and empowerment into themselves. 
And so I'll share just real quick um, for those out there who are looking for like ways to build positive self-identity within kids. Like this is just one page of it. It says, you stand on the shoulder of greatness. You share your magical Malona with countless generations of geniuses, creators, leaders, and great thinkers. Your potential is infinite. And then it has pictures of like some of the, you know, great leaders, right? And so what you can do is you can take the book and just go to the dollar store and get a pack of stickies and sticky notes and just have the child write down like positive affirmations, like your potential is infinite. You stand on the shoulder of leaders. Greatness is in your DNA. Like have them pull out and put those stickies on, you know, their door or their wall as a way to encourage them. For older kids, send your kids a text message. Like they're always on the phone anyway. So send them a text message that speaks life to them and encourages them. So when they go to school and maybe they're dealing with the teacher who doesn't understand their Blackness, they can look at that text message and reaffirm themselves. Um, so those are things I would encourage, like reading, the use of affirmations for children, adolescents, and then for like adults, um, I would say like using our senses, our five senses to celebrate our Blackness. So mm -hmm. if you're a therapist, you can do this with your clients, or if you just, you know, a person of color who's looking to affirm, just trace your hand and then put a sense in each one of your hands. So sight, sound, taste, touch, smell. So you're going to trace your hand, like back when we was in kindergarten. And then you're going to put a, um, a sense in there. So sight, sound, taste, touch, smell, and identify something for each one of those senses that brings you pride or a sense of positivity. positivity. So like for sight, it may be creating a collage with a picture of your ancestors on it or aunts, uncles, cousins, or even maybe people you don't know. Like I like Michelle Obama. Put her on there if you like her, you know. So that's your sight. Then on your next finger, you're going to come up with something with sound. So sound may be like hearing a sermon that affirms you or a Negro spiritual or a podcast. There are a lot of Black podcasts that are out there. So that's sound. Third one, taste. We may not always have money as Black people, but we have always got food. We got a soul food mm -hmm. meal for you. Maybe it's cooking a soul food meal. So that's taste um, or using a recipe that's been passed down. That's a way to bring pride to oneself. The fourth one, touch. This could be, you know, I had a client, she had a stone that she had made into a necklace and it was from her great grandmother, it was passed down. So she would often, when she said she felt very salient about being black, like when she was in board meeting stuff, she would touch that, so that stone and use it as a way to encourage herself. Um, and then smell, um, it could be anything from shea butter, African shea butter or a product that's made by African incense. Um, the smell of peppermint. Whatever it is that kind of arouses your senses. Um, and so that's a, a strategy because those are things you can do. And we know our senses are impacted by how we feel, how we think. Um, and so just drawing that out and then being intentional about using those five senses, I think is important. And the reason why I have people draw it on their hand is because it's the ideal. There's a lot going on around us that we can't control, but we can definitely control what's in our hand. So when you feel like you're positive or your identity is shaken and is not so positive, say, what's in my hand? Like, what can I control? Can I put on some soul, some soul music or cook a good meal? Or can I, you know, use my sense of sight to kind of reground me, re-earth me into like the greatness that's, you know, within me? Um, so those are just some ideals I have as it relates, you know, across lifespans. I think, again, it's important to do it with children, but also we as adults got to kind of empower ourselves as well. 
And Dr. Newton, when you talked about shea butter, it reminded me of a joke that Cat Williams told about Black women smelling like emotions conditioner and cocoa butter. And so that reminded me of another way that we can, you know, practice love, self-care is through humor, right? Like just laughing and having a good time and not taking things so seriously can be helpful too. Yeah, I really appreciate, and I'm sure the viewers appreciate these concrete strategies for celebrating our Blackness, especially with um, attention to those that are, are raising young Black children. Uh, because there's so many assaults on their identities, um, especially being exposed to the anti-Black violence that is going on. And I know for a lot of parents, they would love to shield their kids from the world, but the truth is that they can't. So how do you build them up and give them the fortitude to deal with the world that they are being brought up in? Um, and I like what you were talking about too, Dr. Steele, earlier about um, prioritizing Black joy as that act of resistance. I mean, because we are revolutionary and it's an act of self-care I think even more for black folk it's it's an act of soul care um and so I just had a couple of notes that I wanted to add to like that list of concrete strategies things that I've tried things that I have suggested to my clients so the first one that came to mind was being connected in community um, and taking that time to celebrate our heritage months you know like black history month like Juneteenth, educating ourselves about the history of our land and our people. So I've seen people do that through books, through watching TV series, movies, documentaries, podcasts, trips to museums, like you were talking about Dr. Newt and practicing those positive affirmations and mindfulness exercises that are that center our blackness. Um, also through personal expressions, shea butter, smelling like motions conditioner, our hair, our sense of style, our music, our dance, our art, our soul food, our interests. Um, I think about in your home, surrounding yourself with cultural cues in your home that affirm your blackness. So black art, black pictures, um, black decorations. My, my home is a, is a black girl oasis. So it doesn't matter what's going on out there in the world, I come back home and all I have to do, every room in my house, I see things about black people, black women that affirm me in my, in my identity. So that helps me particularly on those days where I feel you know, shaken or, or riled up. It helps to recenter me and ground me. Um, utilizing those Afrocentric healing practices and engaging in practices that honor our ancestors because there's a lot of home remedies and things that have been passed down through our families that can help us you know, in developing that positive racial identity um, and healing. And then for the therapists that are out there, you know, joining professional organizations. So I think of the Association of Black Psychologists, like, you know, for the, the Black um, mental health professionals out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's and I key. think, yeah. yeah, I was just going to like underscore in, in both what you were saying. For me, um, being intentional and getting information that is going to increase your critical consciousness mm -hmm. is so important. So like Dr. Newton talked about taking your child and reading books, or Tatiana talked about um, connecting with community and participating that way. You know, like whatever we can do that will increase our understanding of 
social forces that influence how we see ourselves so that we can then begin to be intentional and challenging those things and viewing ourselves more positively. It's so key. Yeah, and I was just I was just gonna add what you say about what you said about um connecting with others. So like I've worked at places where I was the only African American um psychologist there. But I was able to find groups like um, I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So there's the Grand Rapids um, Mental Health Group of Color. Um, I was able to connect with them and they've offered me opportunity. They've offered me support and there's been validation as well. Um, so I think it's important to be able to connect with other um, Black professionals, other people who are doing what you're doing. You don't have to, to be alone, I think is important. Mm -hmm. And and the the being the only one in the room, the the exception to the rule, the, the token Negro, we so over that. <laughs> right, we're so over that. <laughs> so I just wanted to ask you both: Is there anything else you want to add to the conversation and what's been said so far before I wrap us up? No, I think if there are any questions from the audience. Um, but I don't see any. I've been looking at the chat as well and haven't saw any. Okay. Okay, so Dr. Newton, Dr. Steele and I would like to thank everyone for joining us. If you are interested in learning more, please check out their book, Black Lives Are Beautiful, 50 Tools to Heal from Trauma and Promote Positive Racial Identity, which you can find on Amazon and we'll be sure to post that in the discussions section um, of our conversation today. Um, I wouldn't be me if I didn't plug, but for those of you that will be watching this and are in the Kalamazoo, Michigan area or just in surrounding areas, um, another way that you can get involved and celebrate your positive black racial identity um, is joining the Black Graduate Student Association at our anniversary banquet. It's to celebrate the second year of our anniversary. Basically, we provide a home to Black graduate students at Western Michigan University. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's this Saturday at Western in the Bernhardt Center from 7 to 11 p.m. Fred Hampton Jr. of the Black Panther Party is going to be our event speaker. We're going to have food and music. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you can make it, the tickets are free now. So you just have to RSVP. Um, and we would love to, to see you and to have you. Um, so as we wrap up this conversation in honor of Black History Month, I did want to end us with an African proverb. It's one that the Association of Black Psychologists uses very frequently, but Asante Sana. So remembering that we all are because our ancestors were. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Good night, everyone. Bye. <laughs>